Okay. I, I want one of those things, you know, those uh, action. Action. <laughs> action. <laughs> okay. After a much too long a break, mm-hmm. but well needed break, we are back. And I'd say, have we mentioned Sarah Fox in at least 10 episodes? I'd say. Everyone. Take a shot every time you hear Sarah Fox. <laughs> so we are absolutely delighted to have her on today. Um, and yeah, welcome. You're beaming into us from Kilkenny, is that right? No. Yeah, South yeah. Kilkenny. Um, beaming in, beaming in over the Zoom. <laughs> and for those listening, you might not be able to see, but you have the most beautiful space behind you and getting earthy wood energy. Mm. Um, not fire, the fire is going, so we got that fire energy. Oh, it, it is beautiful, it's so warm. It looks so cozy, sir. So cozy. It's it, yeah. That's what I try to create with the online classes and the pre-recorded classes is that you're in the room here. We're all in by the fire and we're having a laugh. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, totally. And I'm still eating my lunch if you hear clinking, but that's (laughs) our vibe. Are you going to tell us what you're having? I am having a sweet potato stew that I made. And the trick is, I can't remember who told me, anything tomato based, add two squares of dark chocolate into it and it makes the sauce really rich. That's it. A, a chili trick isn't it I, I I yeah I've not tried it with another stew but I've definitely put it in a chili yeah oh and mm. does it like some people if they're making tomato based things they'll add sugar because it offsets mm. the acidity well I added oh. 70% chocolate so there's a little bit of sugar so yeah mm. there you go um <clears throat> so where do we begin when were you born <laughs> <laughs> well it's nearly my birthday so oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm a December baby um, Sagittarius Kelly. Sagittarius. <laughs> Sagittarius. Okay. I knew I knew <laughs> Kelly'd need to get that straight before we went for <laughs> further forward. <laughs> yeah, I definitely. Yeah, I need to know your star sign. And I, I just before we kind of get into it, I know Sarah. Sarah, I'd say I know you seven or eight years, maybe longer. I reckon. Yeah. How do yeah. you know? Cafe Move. Cafe ah, Move. Yeah. Cafe Move. Um acolytes we'll say yeah, yeah many um, many many happy gorgeous memories with sarah fox the fox yeah. no <laughs> and i was thinking coming here where did where did, was bikram we met first or i was trying to think probably we... yeah and yeah. then i suppose you had the beautiful studio um and i did a few classes and um, went to a few classes there and then ran a few workshops there as well so uh very blessed to have that lovely space because although you're in Kilkenny, you were in Cork for so long and we miss you. We miss your energy and your beautiful teachings. But like you said, you've got lots of online offerings now as well. So um, and you're always welcome in Cork. I know you know that. <laughs> you're, you're the um, you hand out the keys to the city that there's no mayor anymore. It's just you guys. It's just <laughs> I'd go That's on. The some way it I have the key to the toilet um, in Paul Street. <laughs> And when I go to use the toilet, if there's any like men standing outside the men's one, I'm like, well, I open the door there for you, and I feel so powerful. I and they're like, if you don't mind, and I'm like, oh, I, I'll do it. It gives me this lovely sense of power. I feel like the Lord Bear. I am the key holder. I'm the key holder. <laughs> so if anyone's listening and you find yourself in Paul Street, pop in. Needing to go to the toilet, yeah. Oh God. 
because it's one of those ones where you pay 20 cent to go in and if you're bursting and you don't have 20 cent I'm telling you when you see me floating up the stairs with them keys and are there any swipe access you have to have cash cash dollar dollar like dollar dollars yeah oh, <laughs> the one thing I have to say about those 20 cent toilets and if you're listening be sound and recreate this is if somebody going out the way holds the door open for you and they're like go on girl I think that's yeah. really sound absolutely you see such yeah. exchanges of kindness as well and especially yeah. like if you're bursting to go, you're like, thank you so much. And people are like, thank you so much. Okay. Attack. Yeah, like focus now. <laughs> um, so we know you're a December baby. And are you, were you a Cork native? No. No, God, um, I'm, I, okay, so this is contentious, right? My my lineage is very contentious because I'm from a border, and if anybody out there is from a borderland, um, it's it's tough going. So okay. I'm Waterford Kilkenny, and they obviously there's great rivalry in hurling. And then I moved to Cork, that got even worse. So you'd often hear me say I'm from Waterford or I'm from Kilkenny, especially if my mother's in the room. I'm from Kilkenny because I'd be disowned um, over hurling rivalry. But I'm right down, I'm two miles from Water, Waterford City in the countryside in, um, I have lived for most of my life in a big old country house. That's where this lovely yoga room is. Um, that was originally an old mill. And we like to think that the Jacob's cream cracker was invented in this building um, because there's a, there's a plaque on the wall that says Jacob's brothers. And we have deeds going back to the, the there were Quakers, the Jacob's way back when. So uh, the cream cracker was invented in my kitchen. You heard it here oh first. Oh my God. I'm That's actually, like Barry's tea claim. I'm starstruck. <laughs> Sarah, <laughs> yeah, I might do um we could do like tours you could come in maybe oh, you know just yeah. have a cream you're cracker and a cup of tea with my mom that's amazing. Um, that is, that's so amazing. yes, the Waterford, Waterford Kilkenny lineage. And then I moved to Cork. Um I'd lived abroad and I moved to Cork to do my um two things so I moved down first because the herbal science degree in CIT um I came back from Australia actually to do that course so that was a course in um all aspects of herbalism so we did horticulture botany um microbiology in the lab um phar pharmacology pharmacognosy herbal pharmacy loads of different things really broad um science course which was terrifying at the time but it was an amazing opportunity and then while I was doing that in 2010, I started my 200 hour yoga teacher training. I had a VTAC um, yoga teacher training from 2003, which was in this holistic course that I did in Dublin many years ago. But um, my my first kind of proper piece of paper with yoga written on it was in 2010. Then I stayed working for that teacher training yoga diploma run by at the time, Nicole Henkel. And she trained me up as a yoga tutor so in 2012, then I started teaching on the yoga teacher training and I was still doing my um, degree course. So I was kind of, you know, ask a busy person if you want something done. So I was kind of <laughs> layering up all the skills. And then um, what the, the next diversion of that within the four years that I did my degree, um, the, there was this thing called the, um, the THMPD. So there was a herbal directive across Europe where they kind of changed how we could sell herbs in health food stores or, and kind of over-the-counter herbal medicines. And also they put a pause on um, kind of degree programs for herbal medicine as well. So my herbal science degree became much more kind of 
I suppose, laboratory and um, kind of industry based. So my my goal was to become a clinical herbalist. So another teacher of mine, Nikki Darrell, who had written a lot of the degree program, she made a, a, what she'd call a practitioner program in herbal medicine. So in year three and four of my degree program, I also did um, clinical herbal practitioner diploma. So then now since 2014, I've been a practicing herbalist. I've been a yoga teacher and a yoga teacher trainer. So packed it all in there in a couple of years. <laughs> and that was all in Cork. Then I uh, ran away to West Cork and lived in a little cottage in Timaleague for quite some time. So I, 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 ro I rode the wave of the education and then ran away to the country and lived as a hermit. <laughs> that cottage was amazing. I remember it. It was beautiful, wasn't it? So beautiful. Yeah. And it, the layout and format of the cottages around you yeah yeah so that's letter column if anybody is listening you should go down and do a, a cookery course actually speaking of the lunches and um, so my landlords down there were um, incredible people they ran um, kind of an organic deli I suppose you'd call it they grew all the vegetables in our um, wall garden behind the house and they run now they've retired and they run cookery courses and my um, Khan, the, the patriarch, I suppose, he was a chanting Buddhist, which was hugely um, influential in my kind of personal practice uh, as well with yoga, Buddhism, and now kind of Irish, early Irish spirituality. We often talk about the overlap of all of these things, you know, like some people just focus on one area. And as you've just told us, there's so many um, strings to your bow um in the most beautiful way and I'm sure there's just vast overlap that you notice that you can share with your students and your clients and you know I have some friends who just adore the Buddhist lineage mm. I have some people who just are like yogis till they die um and I just love that it's really often similar teachings and just offering people different pathways to get to the same place yeah 100 percent yeah yeah and I think um I think there's beauty in the purest as well somebody that just steps into a lineage and lives and breathes that lineage and then there's people I suppose maybe like ourselves that that like to do a little bit of everything so I sat with I this is very funny I sat with um a dear friend of mine sits with a teacher from the states called Balarama and he I, I sat in one of his immersions and he said um, he called it the Californian, the, the one that does everything just in case. And I was like, I will <laughs> happily admit I do the Californian, you know, <laughs> like a little bit of everything just in case. But I kind of think that that teacher, like because I am a teacher at the end of the day, um, it's somewhat needed to to be able to dip your toes in different worlds and be able to incorporate and integrate that so that you can offer like I don't I don't claim to be an expert in anything I just collect a lot of information and I can point you in the direction of where that information is the purest so you know for me if somebody came in the end they were really drawn to the Nichiren Buddhism I would know where to send them if they're really drawn to a yoga lineage I'll know where to send them and if they're drawn to the early Irish paganism, I'll know where to send them. And then I'm kind of like, you know, just uh, able able to hold that space, I suppose, you know. Um, have you ever read The Women That Run With The Wolves? Clarissa Pinkola Estes. In, I, I often think about this because it was a really formative part of understanding myself, I think, when I read the chapter in her book about the Selkie. And the Selkie, you know, she's 
she's the, the seal woman who wears the seal skin and, and is seal and is 100% comfortable in the water, but can take off the seal skin and walk on the land and is 100% comfortable on the land, but goes between the worlds is, is like medial. Um, and then in, in the particular story that um, Larissa Pincola Estes says, she then has a son and he's because she needs to be part of both worlds, I suppose, the Selkie. But her son is because he's got a human father that he is he's pure, purely medial or liminal. And I kind of think that there's an archetype of the medial person, the medial woman or the medial man. And when I realized that rather than feeling I was flaky, I realized that it's my duty, in fact, to taste a little bit of everything and be able to um, offer some sort of understanding, not an expert, you know, but, you know, some sort of understanding in different different pathways and then hopefully lead whoever I'm trying to teach to what's right for them. Does that make sense? Yeah, I love that. Um, sorry, I love that phrase. Um, a good teacher doesn't tell you what to see but you know shows you where to look yeah Mm. it is you're you're dead right and what what always fascinates me and we've said this 10 times as well that we'll do this um an episode on the education of yoga but you know to me probably the greatest teachers I know are similar to yourself included um you know don't claim to be experts and the people who claim to be an expert you know sometimes I'm like really and this yeah, yeah. struck me to go back to your story is that you know since graduating to when you started teaching you know that you had this two years of being I suppose mentored maybe or trained to become a yoga tutor which we've talked about a lot is so important because still to this day the amount of people I meet who are running different trainings and have just absolutely no experience of teaching actually you know um and recently I asked in I've been teaching a lot in schools and I've asked the kids the very first question where do you think yoga comes from Mm -hmm. and nearly all of them say Japan and I'm just like what are we, you know like and obviously that's not all teachers fault but I do wonder is it the hands coming together and the bowing you know mm. that they see this as kind of a, a Japanese practice or something mm. um and I'm not joking I'd say I asked eight classes in a row and every single one of them the first answer was Japan so so interesting 100% Japan <laughs> and there were different schools different age kids um from like 18 down to 12 really bizarre but and my they, they just grasped at the first thing they could they were like okay she bowed and go to say Japan yeah exactly. <laughs> Fair <play laughs> to them in fairness like yeah <laughs> um but it, it just reminded me that the education of yoga is so important to not just instruct a class but to teach people about what yoga is and mm. that's another reason behind this platform of the podcast you know yeah, I'm a big fan of lineage, you know, and you'll notice as we chat that I never every probably every second sentence I will say I'll say my teacher and I'll name where I got a, a nugget of information because none of it's mine, you know, and um, again, I'm able to share it. But, you know, we, we have to remember the lineages. And then sometimes we also have to say what what we see wrong with a particular lineage, because in any lineage, there is usually some sort of power dynamic that goes wrong. And I know you've discussed that in podcasts before. So, you know, there's, I think all yoga is good yoga, all spirituality is good spirituality, but then it can get tainted by power systems and, and man, you know, and I mean that as human. Um, so it's interesting, you know, so I'll always, I'll name the lineage it came from, 
if necessary, I'll say, okay, we know that there's been struggles in said lineage or whatever. Um, so it, yeah, it's an interesting thing to, to, you know, always nod to where you got information, but to be yeah respectful, but also real about it, I suppose. Mm-hmm. yeah discernment it's so important 100 yeah, percent. yeah and just being able to like give your students a little bit of that you can't really teach people discernment mm-hmm. but just maybe showcasing it that yeah it's really important and I I'm that's just seems to be kind of my my whole world at the moment with college is that it's all like you know not being overly analytical in life for me personally but just being critical about things you know mm, and what yeah. you're saying as well about like talking about where you're getting your information I think that's seriously lacking in the yoga community and it's something that really frustrates me actually um it's that lack of acknowledgement about where things not just the yoga community in the wellness world in general like I really appreciate a teacher that can say I learned this from here and this is who taught me this. And if, like you said, if if you need to know more about this, you know, said person would be better to tell you about that, you know? Exactly. Um, and it's, it's quite freeing in a way as well, because um, let's say I believe something to be true for 25 years, and then there's new information that I receive from a different source that changes, and not necessarily negates, but changes the information that I've believed to be true. If I if I'm honest about my sources and where I've been, then, you know, you're not going to be like, you're a charlatan, you know, you're just I, <laughs> like, I'll say, you know, I, I believe this to be true. Cause we know that as, as anatomical yoga teachers, like the, the science around movement changes all the time. And it's like, Oh, maybe, you know, how I thought um, warrior one wasn't as beneficial as I can do it now. So you just, there's a Maya Angelou quote that I live by when you know better, you do better. So when you know better, you do better. So when you're when you always respect where you found information, I think that is more clear that you're just doing better rather than you've been living a lie. Does that make sense? <laughs> it's it's a pity actually because there's a lot of teacher trainings out there that don't come from any lineage in the sense that perhaps that person learned from a teacher and then went and created their own teacher training, which is absolutely fine. Um, and that they themselves aren't even connected to any lineage. And so this is often where that dilution of the practice Mm. comes. Um, And again, perhaps that person is creating their own lineage and it's beautiful. But I know in the last teacher training I thought on myself and the other teacher, we both came from the same teacher. We both studied with the same teacher. And so a lot of what we do is complementary and an overlap. And we mentioned our teacher and his teacher um, and the lineage that it came from so often. And the amount of students there were just baffled. They were like, we've never heard even this word lineage. Mm. And they were all yoga teachers already. You know, they had all done teacher trainings and they were just like they were baffled even by the concept of lineage. Not all of them, of course. But, mm. you know, when we asked them, you know, where where did you train and what what was your lineage? They they had no answer, you know, mm. uh, um, which is a pity. But hopefully by doing that, by us constantly mentioning, like you said, you will do as well or you have been doing it maybe makes people think, oh, yeah. And then this is actually where my teacher trained and this is Mm. where, you know, and like you said, you can have the discernment then and change if new information comes up. It's kind of a nice way as well to map the evolution of something, Mm. because 
I'm definitely guilty guilty of wanting to hold on. And as you were saying, Sarah, like, you know, you have this belief about something for so many years and then it changes. There is that little bit of like, oh God. But <laughs> it's grief, isn't it? Almost yeah. a grief. Of, and it's, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a wanting to hold on as well. It's it's a letting go too. But, but I, I think my experience with yoga a lot recently is just like, it can be different and everything evolves and I evolve as a person and you know things aren't always going to stay the same um and it's 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 dogmatic in a way the you know the, the holding on but yeah um but there'll still be truth in what you're holding on to it's just that we allow it to be kind of um I suppose diluted and you know made bigger by new information so it's like when I say diluted I mean like kind of expanded you know with new information I don't mean like um lessened if you get me so um yeah it's like it's like we can still hold one thing to be true and know that something else is adding to that rather than just throwing out the baby with the bath water you know yeah 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 you know so we, we we can stand by the ancient beliefs and customs but then just have a lens so I I made a joke on another podcast about being a science witch um that I you know I'm, I'm pure esoteric in some ways and then pure scientific in other ways and I'm kind of I'm going to own that that mantle <laughs> I'm a science witch god damn it, I love it. yeah <laughs> brilliant I just love to steer us kind of back so that was kind of your yoga journey and I know do you work in herbalism now as well do you do that yes. in your day to day yes so I'm a, a clinical herbalist, which means that it's as if you would go to your GP. So it's a one-to-one -one interaction. I mostly do it through Zoom these days. The pandemic for some was, um, a, you know, so difficult for me. It was a time I just flourished. I just needed some time and space, it turned out. Um, so now I do most of my uh, clinical herbalism through Zoom and then I'll make you up a medicine. So it looks like, let's say you have insomnia or period pain or menopausal issues or a bad back or whatever it is. So you come and that's your presenting condition. And then we have a little chat about that. And then we go through every system of the body to see holistically what's going on with, you know, you were said client. Um, and then the medicine is specific to what is going on. And then over time, hopefully you don't need that medicine for very long. They kind of say, if you have a condition for, let's say 10 years, it could take up to 10 months to, to treat the condition. If you have, you know, if it's something short-lived or acute, it, it's it, one bottle of medicine, you probably do, you know. So I work that way. Kelly's experienced the herbs before. Um, yeah, yeah her herbal tincture, and then you take it for a month or six weeks or whatever. Yeah, and sort of me right out. Good. What's the coolest <laughs> thing you know about plants from both the science coolest and witchy? witchy. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so um we'll go, we'll go what what's what's known as plant spirit medicine, right? So when and this is something because I came from the 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 scientific background I'd started the herbal science course the degree program before I did the clinical practitioner program but that clinical practitioner program was very kind of holistic we'll say so there was moments where we'd have to step into a field and look at a plant and I'm remembering very clearly how the group we were looking at a plant called red clover and we were told to just sit with this plant for a while and look at it, like really look at it, listen to it, like listen to it with your with your inner ears, you know, and, and come back and tell the group what you think this medicine is for. And 
it was so interesting. And then I was coming from the science background. I was like, I need a book. I need a book. How am I supposed to know? <laughs> but we all listened. We listened with our with our minds and our hearts and our souls. And we looked and there's a there's like an ancient Greek physician came up with this thing called the doctrine of signatures, where if you look at a plant really closely, you can almost tell what it's for by how it looks. You know, the, the, there's something to intuit in, in its physicality. So um so we all came back and we listed what we thought this plant was for and everyone was spot on, you know, because then we got out the books because it wasn't just that we would, um, you know, you, you wouldn't just go out and treat somebody going like, I think this is for, you know, so then you back it up with the actual science and with papers and, and with teachers. Um, so, yeah, it was so interesting. But the, what I'm, I suppose the most amazing part of that is the intuition is generally right you know so it's uh, and I think I in 2013 I did something called zoo pharmacognosy just a, a weekend workshop and in zoo pharmacognosy you treat an animal but the animal chooses its own medicine so you look at a situation for example we were on a farmyard so there was a, a, a calf that wasn't suckling correctly it wasn't getting any nourishment it was getting really thin and, and finding it very difficult to suckle from the, the mother from the cow so it was clear that there was something wrong with the cow that was kind of knock on effect on the poor calf. So we decided we'd put out all these different kind of bowls of nutrient rich um, water. And then the cow kind of smells them all. And then she dove her head into um, a kind of a calcium dish, we say. I think we had um, some sort of calcium in it, like calcium carbonate or something. And so she's drinking all of that. Then within three hours, the calf was suckling. And, you know, so she knew. So I think we can sometimes as humans over override our intuition with our logical minds. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we kind of drop down into that intuitive thing and it's generally right you know so it's it's just fascinating I know my teacher before um someone asked why the cow is so sacred in India mm -hmm. and it's very similar to what you just shared said that like in rural India the cows live almost like we have dogs now you know they live with mm -hmm. the family and they provide so much nourishment through their milk to the family and he said they're so intelligent that if someone in the household is deficient or lacking or sick that the cow will actually because they're all free range will actually go and forage for a particular plant which will infuse into the milk that the family mm. will then drink um you know again this is all very much from his learning and lineage of growing up in a yogic lineage and in rural india um and it just made me fascinated that you know we give well in commercial farming now we're like here eat this yeah. But I know, and it's interesting you said clover, they've proven now that actually having a huge, a higher percentage of clover than grass, or I'm not sure the exact percentages, but having more clover in the grasslands of free range cows actually reduces carbon emissions. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like the intelligence of the universe oh, and these plants and what they can do for us. Like, like you said, we override this and we've given often away often not by choice but like this huge power to more western medical systems mm -hmm. which we at times absolutely need mm -hmm. but I know people who would never question a doctor like oh the doctor mm -hmm. told me something must be good for me and it's like well actually are you feeling good though yeah. you know like have mm -hmm. you actually checked in 
Mm. So I'm really grateful for people. And even, you know, not even just to the Western medicine, you know, we can be dogmatic about, you know, Chinese medicine or Ayurveda Mm. too. It's like must eat only what it says to eat in the book in September, you know, rather than going, okay, what's local, (laughs) what's available to me at the local farmer's market, you know, it's like, no, no, I'm, I'm doing my Ayurveda, you know? So I think, yeah, to go with your intuition and go with what, what do you see in your, in your local landscape you know and how can that be brought into your your inner landscape you know gorgeous yeah oh it's <laughs> and, and I'm sure like the the herbal remedies complement if people do need you know more uh western what, what's the word don't, yeah allopathic or yeah yeah but isn't a lot of um I could be completely wrong here but isn't a lot of don't a lot of pharmaceutical drugs come from nature like the basis oh, yeah, of drug yeah. formulas are plants and nature, you know. Mm. They're synthesized versions. Yeah. So yeah. going back oh, to yeah. my, my pharmacy day, my <laughs> chemistry days, like you have what's called small molecule and large molecule. So small molecule drugs are often ones that your body can't naturally produce. Mm. So paracetamol is a really good example of that. And then you've large molecule or biotech, bio being biology technology. Mm-hmm. So like the, the biology of stuff we can actually create in the in the body ourselves, but perhaps we're deficient in or there's Mm. something going on where we're not able to produce it then they actually produce it in almost like a mimicked Mm. human cell um and then make it into a product like an injection or a drug that is actually then put into the body and I always get the giggles because when I was in pharma biotech was really just really becoming popular and you know they have clean rooms basically because these cells if any sort of bacteria anything gets in you know you could lose millions basically and you could use months of work they have to grow Mm. up these cells but they use what's called cho cells and I was on the opposite end I was really into small molecule and I asked one of my colleagues what's cho and they were like Chinese hamster ovary cells and so they, they they use cells from a Chinese hamster to reproduce them and produce these biotechs and I just had such a vision because they were building this new building where it was all going to happen. I just had such a vision of this giant Chinese hamster just <laughs> sitting there with all of these things going on. Obviously, that's not what they do. Um, and I don't know about the animal. I don't think they actually. But it's think. really interesting. Even one of the contraceptive pills is named after um, mare's urine because the the hormones are taken from mares like female horses urine you know and they that's still in the name but we kind of I think we like to not look at that you know it doesn't sound that <laughs> yummy you know yeah but um what's fascinating about in in herbal medicine there was this move towards um finding the exact you know everything becomes really um reductionist you know so instead of using a whole herb as we'd say in the biz um they decided that they'd use uh constituents so one story that I remember is um, glycorrhiza glabra, which is licorice root. They uh, decided which chemical in licorice root of the myriad of plant chemicals or constituents that are in the particular plant, which one did the work. And when they actually used that um, refined chemical, it, it was really bad for the gut lining. And the funny thing about the whole herb is that it actually can heal ulcers and it's for the mucous membrane, mucous membranes. So um, it was the other synergistic chemicals that helped that main molecule do the work. Whereas when you refine it and you go like, oh, it's just this tiny little piece, we lose that, that magic that the plant can create with all of its 
constituents, you know, that synergistic action. Of course, why wouldn't the universe create all mm-hmm. of the parts together? You know, it reminds you of a book, maybe you've read it called The Cosmic Serpent. Oh, yes, read? yeah, yeah. So if anyone's listening who really enjoys the science and the spiritual, I feel like this is one of the best books I've read that like just shows the overlap. <laughs> Kelly has it up behind us. Um, <laughs> and yeah, something that just struck me about that in particular was that like the, this, the book starts looking into um, ayahuasca um, from an anthropological point. And he kept asking, you know, these these people who'd been trained for generations to do this practice how did you know how did you know and they just kept saying the plants told us you know mm-hmm. the plants mm-hmm. told us it's um Kelly has it here Jeremy Narby I think is how you pronounce his name the cosmic serpent was he an, he's an anthropologist he's an anthropologist okay. originally um but what really caught me and it's in the first chapter is he speaks about how different plants need to be boiled together in order for mm. this chemical to actually be absorbed by the body um which yeah again the 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 intelligence of it always baffles me Mm. I don't know will we ever I don't think we need to understand Mm. you know Mm -hmm. now it could be said from the scientific lens that the plant told them because you know 200 people died in the search (laughs) (laughs) mixture you know so so it goes both ways that we have this intuition but also very clear evidence (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's a really good point a really really good point yeah back in day they're like not that one because Paul's not feeling very well yeah. <laughs> Paul's gone green so maybe we'll avoid that <laughs> oh, God. and no, go on, I was gonna ask you what's your favorite plant Ooh. or flower well, that's, that's or herb. very that's very difficult very difficult to say because um I, I it's actually a phrase that I use a lot I overuse um you know the way some people say literally all the time instead of you know figuratively I say this is my favorite to like say everything but um what I'm going to choose is hawthorn because and actually I'm sure you nobody can hear this but my wedding ring is um a hawthorn blossom because I got married at Bealtaine so um as did you Kelly um so it's uh, the, the beautiful thing about the Hawthorne is that it's part of the ancient festival of Bealtaine, which is a festival of sacred union. It's the start of summer. The blossom in herbal medicine is um, it's very light. It's it's uh, what we call an anxiolytic. So it can help um, soothe and calm the nervous system. And then the obviously the the blossom will then eventually become a berry and that berry then is a really massive um heart healer so it can be used for high blood pressure low blood pressure um irregularities of the pace of the heart and things like that and also in what we call plant spirit medicine you know for healing heartbreak and things like that so we have the energetic of the plant as well as the you know the pharmacological um outcomes so hawthorn is is very very dear to me gorgeous so Mm. you know i'm sure this is with lots of other plants but you know like is it the, the blossom and the berry um and i'm sure the bark is used i know used they use and maybe they still do the black hawthorn for walking sticks 
so really the, yeah blackthorn blackthorn oh, yeah that's different blackthorn. different plants okay. yeah okay. yeah which would be yeah, the the old irish shillelagh yeah, yeah. was um was often the blackthorn they say not to bring in in folk medicine they say not to bring the hawthorn into the house so you can bring the the leaves the berries the um blossoms into the house but you always ask so if anybody out there is ever going to go foraging you ask the plant for its permission and you'll get a no and or you'll get a yes um and listen for that but um the, the the wood of the hawthorn was said not to come into the house and now there is um there's a chemical that's i think it's like a, a putrezine that um it has a smell like a dead body that if you bring in the the hawthorn and it kind of rots within the house it, it gives off this uh, horrible smell so the ancestors I suppose would have been like oh my god that's really unlucky it smells like death mm -hmm. so there was you know so we have kind of the folk culture the the narrative coming through from something that was very real but also it's considered a fairy tree so you don't want to um I was going to use the f word there you don't want to f with the fairies because they have you a different the you don't want to fuck with the fairies they've got a different moral uh, system than us they've got a different set of ethics than us so you don't want to be drawing them into your household without knowing what you're drawing into your household so there's reasons why you might not bring the hawthorn into the house you know bar the medicinal parts okay and sir do you it's also if you have hawthorn on your land you're advised against cutting it down yes yeah, so the, the the fairy tree is a is a particular one but it's only a fairy tree when it stands alone so if there's hawthorn because it's 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 a shrub it's generally in the the land the hedges we'll say um quite naturally but when a when a when a fairy tree any tree that kind of stands alone that's kind of an outlier um is considered a fairy tree especially a hawthorn tree so you'll find that a lot of the sacred sites um you know ishnak for example the center of ireland which was um it's where the the Bealtaine fire is lit so that has a, a, a fairy tree a hawthorn that stands by itself at la crew there's a hawthorn that stands by itself and quite often they become um the, the trees that you put little offerings on. And if anyone is ever going to put an offering on a fairy tree, it's something that should dissolve. We often see that you'll have plastics or something like that upon the tree. Um, please don't do that for a couple of different reasons. A, it's going to stay there forever. B, you won't actually get your wish. So the thing is that the when the fiber begins to break down and disappears into the land that's when your wish because that's what you're doing you're, you're kind of you're, you might be asking for health for an individual you might be asking for whatever it is that your your heart desires but it's the act of it dissolving in the weather that brings about the the the, the magic so if you put a piece of plastic on a fairy tree you're not going to get your wish and you're destroying the landscape so just so you know <laughs> so even the fairies are ethical. ethical fairies. Of, course <laughs> yes, they are. Fairies. of course they are. The like impatient part of me now is like, oh, I'm going to write my wish on an apple now or something. Really, <laughs> that will really quickly. A teacher of mine, um, the woman that I I, I um, get to be a guide when I bring my teacher training to the sacred sites, um, her name is Trasini Veraku, and she would often bring um, gauze that you can buy in the chemist, you know, that's like it's cotton, I suppose. Um, but now, in fact, we just take a piece of grass and we wrap it around the tree with our wish, you know, so something in your environment that you can just pick up. 
which leads us beautifully into something I really wanted to talk to you about, and I know you did too, like more around the kind of, well, maybe you give it a name. I call it Celtic spirituality. You know, it's often called paganism. Um, if you could speak a bit more to that. Yeah, so I don't, in my personal practice, I don't use the word Celtic because I kind of think Celtic is more Ireland, Scotland, Wales, and there's many practitioners that would be much more involved in that bigger school, you know. So I, I've kind of um, borrowed a phrase from my um, harp teacher. So my uh, harp teacher, uh, Siobhan Armstrong, she is reviving the early Irish harp, which is a wire strong harp. Mm. And it's um, it's the one that you would read about in the mythological stories. So rather than it being, um, a, yeah, it's, it's like a, a, either a brass string or, you know, it's wire strung. So that's like our early medieval harp. And she says early Irish. So I kind of like that idea that it's early Irish. So the what I work with, like I work with the, the mythological stories of Ireland and I work with the sacred sites of Ireland. So I wouldn't use the word Celtic for my practice. I don't have a problem with the word Celtic. You could go on the internet and see many people that have a problem with the word Celtic. But for me, I, li I like that idea of early Irish. You know, it's just, it, it's more, it's more applicable, I suppose. Yeah, beautiful. And how did you get into that? Like, obviously, you were born in Ireland, I think you said, you know, yes, is there yeah. a big lineage in so, the family or? Not at all. So for me, it's it's all about the teachers. So as I said, um, I'd been practicing yoga since 2003. And then I went when I lived in Australia, uh, a dear friend of mine was living at an ashram in New Zealand with a disciple of Satyananda. So his name was Shantimurti. So I went over there and had an immersion into yoga. So I'd, I'd had like a, you know, like most people, a, a general yoga practice. I'd rock up to a class every now and again, but then spent um, quite some time at the ashram there. And that's where I suppose I understood yoga as in like sitting with a teacher, satsang, um, karma yoga, you know, like just, you know, all, all these things that are so beautifully entwined in the yoga practice. And then when I came back to Ireland, then I, I suppose I was very lucky to have that, you know, um, proper teacher to disciple kind of lineage. And now I didn't, I mean, I, I only sat with Shanti Morty every so often. I'd bring him over to Ireland and we, he'd, he'd, he'd stay with me and we'd have beautiful conversations. But, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that like I, I spent 20 years with my teacher or anything like that, you know. But um, I definitely gleaned some information about how the yoga system worked in in true lineage, I suppose. And then when I came back to Ireland, then, as I said, I, you know, kind of went down the more, you know, Western yoga kind of 200 hour kind of thing and then found my Buddhist practice. And the Buddhist practice opened up my eyes to, I think, and you're more than welcome to disagree with me, but I, I feel like yoga is quite internalizing. And that is a particular medicine, you know, that we have to go inside, meet ourselves before we come back out into the world. The Buddhist practice that I practice, Nichiren Buddhism, is a community practice. It's a, it's got no, um, it's, it's a humanist practice. So it doesn't, it's not necessarily a religious practice. And it's an eyes open chant in community. Um, you study and you try to bring about the Buddhahood of everyone else along with you, right? So that was kind of this different piece of the puzzle for me. I was like, okay, so I've done the work on me and I'm continuing to do the work on me, but now I'm in a community, you know? So, um, I mean, like that's in yoga as well, but we don't have as much satsang and stuff like you do it. Um, but there's not that, you know, your traditional yoga class is just you rock up at six, you leave at quarter past seven, you know, so 
to, to have this kind of community practice was really big for me but there was still something a little bit missing and I didn't know what that was until I met my my most beloved teacher Deirdre Wadding who's a, a pagan priestess and has been working with um, the early Irish tradition for many many years and she was I, I met her on um, a tour we were both um, she was teaching on a, a tour called Wild Roots um, with a dear friend of mine, Tara Roach. So we were kind of traveling around Ireland to different sacred sites and we were, she was telling stories. So that's part of her work is like being a storyteller and, you know, um, kind of bringing to life the land beneath us. And I was just mystified by her and just, she's, she's an incredible woman. So she started this program called Kurasush, and Kurasush means the cauldron of knowledge. Um, in, in the Irish system, rather than the chakras, we have three cauldrons. Um, and the, the, the top cauldron is this cauldron of knowledge, which is only upright in those that are, I use the word very loosely, enlightened or on the path of seeking enlightenment. Um, but that could mean, you know, creating poetry or songs or, you know, beauty in some way. It doesn't necessarily mean that you have a spiritual practice. So her her program, the Kurasush program is for priestess of the sacred land and it's open to women or um, anyone, you know, to our, our trans sisters too. And um, it is a program where we spend time with the mythology of Ireland uh, with the sacred sites of Ireland, with the gods and goddesses of Ireland, and we work um, to, I suppose, um, mediate the energy of the land. So then I was ordained um, priestess of the sacred land at Ishnock, the centre of Ireland, um, kind of uh, in or in site, is that what you'd say? No. Um, you say the word <laughs> yeah 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 yeah, yeah. um but <laughs> i i often uh it's like having too many folders open on a computer quite often i have uh so much going on i'm like one small word i can't remember yeah. but um but yes yeah, so we were ordained priestess of the sacred land and then my work since has kind of evolved into and it's so interesting i'm going to talk in a moment about my patron um, my my deity patron or patron deity, I suppose is better to say, um, Danu, and how I'm only in the past while realizing how my work is directly in line with with my patron deity. So um, so what I'm doing now is this teacher training, this yoga teacher training called Oak and Willow, Oak representing the the kind of divine masculine. Um, resilience power strength and then willow being like the divine feminine adaptability flow movement and and how these are uh, the two sides of us but oak and willow is using we'll say an unbroken lineage of the vedic culture the yogic culture that we we you know there's so much written down about and then kind of using that as a mirror to um I'm not even going to say remember because we don't know the practices that our ancestors did. We can glean some information from our stories, from our myths and from um, the archaeology and from the people that are, um, you know, really sitting with these texts like the Lara Gowala and, you know, um, finding the, the truth within them. But it is a broken lineage as in like there's nobody practicing exactly what somebody was practicing 3000 years ago in Ireland. But we can, I suppose... Um, pay respect to those peoples of our land by, you know, going to the sites, being there at the times of year that we should be there, trying to speak the, the native language of the land and, you know, just um, 
being respectful to the culture that we have here. So doing my best not to appropriate the culture of yoga, I'm trying to, because both are Indo-European in a sense that we are kind of creating oneness rather than a sense of being kind of nationalist. You know, it's not like, you know, um, like the, the, the nearly the stories of all the cultures. If we look back at all the ancient myths and all the ancient stories, there's there's a thread between them all. So that we're it's creating oneness between all peoples rather than this kind of like this is Irish, that is yogic. It's kind of like how can we remember things about truth, I suppose, because like stories contain archetypal energies and those it's they're like atoms of truth, you know. So, you know, I suppose that's my path then is to kind of use the yoga to reignite a love of what what has been here before. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely yeah. I want to know about the other two cauldrons. So there's this one. And so I'm kind of obsessed with the cauldrons at the moment. I, I do a lot of work with them personally in my in my personal practice. But if you wanted to know more, I'm holding up a book that the, the readers can see. But the Encyclopedia of Celtic Wisdom by Kathleen Matthews has a there you go Kelly there's um a chapter on the um three cauldrons and you will see the a, a translation and she's very I, the thing I like about Kathleen Matthews is she will say so in this work I think it's very important to be very clear about what is um fact mightn't be the right term but like researched information we'll say mm -hmm. researched information and then what we call unverified personal gnosis so I might like I say like I might sit and pray to my patron deity Danu and then receive some information but like I don't know you know what the ancients thought of Danu but I have a feeling in my heart about my role with that deity do you know so that's called unverified personal gnosis that it's my 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 practice my information that I've gleaned through meditation or journey you know so Kathleen Matthews is very clear about what's from a text and then what she's gleaned from her own she's a she's got like a shamanic practice um she's a shamanic practitioner so that's one book and then um I don't have the other one to show you because it's on my kindle but it's Erin Laurie the the um well of five streams so that is another chapter about the the cauldrons so briefly the cauldrons are fascinating so we all have these three cauldrons but they might be turned in a different direction so i was going to use um a prop because i'm i, I talk with my hands but they can't they can't see that because we're on <laughs> a, a podcast so i won't use a prop i'll get you to use your imagination so we all come in with this um the lowest one which is kind of around uh the, the the sacral area we'll say which is the cauldron of warming and that is upright in almost everybody unless you were very very sick and um, then it might be turned on its side if it was upside down or what they would say on its lips then it is you're you're dead or infirmed we'll say right so this cauldron of warming is what we come in with it is the information that we receive from the land it is our vitality and um, it's it's everything that makes us us and then up around the heart then we have um what Kathy Matthews calls the cauldron or not calls but um interprets uh, or translates as the cauldron of vocation so the cauldron of vocation then it's actually on its side, so it's not um, it's not turned up like a bowl. We'll say it's on its side, and it can be turned by great sorrow or great joy. 
and that great sorrow and great joy can be, you know, it says in the text, uh, maybe a pilgrimage to a sacred place, maybe um, a grief or a love. And what I love about the early Irish mythology, it also says, you know, like um, sacred sexual relations is great joy, you know, so um, it's not so prudish in, in the early Irish tradition. <laughs> so I love that, you know, mm -hmm. so great love and um, great partnership. It can turn this cauldron upright. But this is the cauldron, like we say, vocation. So vocation is like your path, like your dharma, we'd say in, in the yogic and the Buddhist tradition. So if it's it could also turn downwards you know maybe you're a bit lost and and you don't know what your path is it could be on its side for most people where it's kind of like you're finding your way or it can be turned upright where you have a very clear vocation where you're moving towards why you came to be in this human form and then in every second person and i really like this because some people don't come here to be spiritual some people come here to just be very you know, human and live uh, a life where you do your nine to five and you go about your day. And some of us have um, a calling for something bigger than ourselves. So in every second person, there's the, the cauldron of knowledge, the Kurasush can turn upright. So it comes in on its lips, it's upside down for everybody. But through, the, firstly, I think the cauldron of vocation has to be turned upright for the cauldron of knowledge to be turned upright but through the work through great sorrow great joy pilgrimage study all of these things we can turn this cauldron up and then these cauldrons are about the bardic arts um in the literature so it's like the, then you get this in, influx of what we'd call imbas for which is um you know enlightenment poetry wisdom intuition you know so when the cauldron when the the cauldron of knowledge is turned upright you know everything is is quite clear and i love that it's the arts it's not just spirituality you know it's it's the great arts you know you might write a song because you have this inflow of imbas for asni you might be drawn to tell a loved one how much you love them with this like you know poetic verse you know so um so those are the three cauldrons and i think they're quite um beautiful you know god yeah, i'm awesome. i'm almost I, like there's no words yeah, yeah i'm just like in in the essence of it it's beautiful there's yeah. a bubbling yeah something. and and just to confirm and maybe other people are thinking of this are we talking like what witches would have been you know traditionally pictured with like a, a cauldron yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so with my teacher deirdre um does this beautiful journey that I've incorporated into my work as well, where we'll actually go. Um, so Deirdre works with uh, what we call white mare journeys. So we all we step into the other world, as it were, with a guide, a protector, an ally, which is the white mare of sovereignty. And um, so that's Deirdre's personal guide that she's that we as Kurosush pupils often use. And you step into the other world and then with this particular journey to the cauldrons, we'll go, we'll look at the landscape. So you'll you'll be guided in meditation. And I'll do this with you maybe on a workshop or something if you ever are keen. Um, so you go to your cauldron and you look at it and you're like, okay, what's it made out of? Um, is it, where is it on its side? Is it upside down? Um, what's, what's in the landscape? What's in it? And for me, I've done this quite a few times and I check in with my cauldrons every so often. And 
the other day, uh, just on, on, I'm doing the celebrancy part of the, the Curisush training, which is um, like, like yourself, Jean, to do uh, weddings, um, naming ceremonies, deaths and things like that. So I was training on Sunday and we did a cauldron's journey and my, my cauldron of warming was massive and was made out of marble and was filled with crystal clear water and um, spring water. And it was being fed by five streams and the five streams in early Irish mythology are the the senses so this this my my lower cauldron was filled with the information from my senses but I had to the information I got was that I had to keep those streams of of information clean so that my my cauldron of warming would be um I suppose healthy you know so that's interesting like what are the streams of information coming in and then my cauldron of vocation was um I'm trying to remember it was oh yeah oh my goodness it was made out of um nature it was made out of trees so it was like a woven basket full of branches and and leaves and it was nature being in nature that would keep it um woven tightly so that what was in it was healthy and then when we went up to the cauldron of knowledge it was just it was energy it was like this swirling purpley navy kind of um yeah, just like pure energy. And then that was like dripping down through the other cauldrons. And you can see that. Um, and it's so interesting because this is after the fact, because I've made the logo for Oak and Willow many years ago. My husband, John, made it. He's a graphic designer. But um, you can see that color. This is like bluey, bluey kind of purple um, drop, which to me is the wisdom of Danu coming down to the, the the oak and willow leaves you know so it was like I saw that in my journey the other day so it's it's so fascinating how we can we can work with these you know stories and mythologies and actually witness it in our inside ourselves in in journey and in meditation you know oh apply it to the here and now mm, yeah um I'm so like fascinated I knew this would happen that like I want to now spend like another three hours talking to you and I'm sure everyone <laughs> is the same but I'd also love them to experience something um but before we maybe even get to that and this might be hard to to do succinctly um but I'm just back from a training in Greece where we had 12 different nationalities um from three continents and it made me realize that uh and like obviously I'm Irish and then the the other co-teacher is of Irish lineage she grew up in America um, but people were fascinated by Ireland. Um, now, it's probably because I have such a grow, such a love for Ireland that I was probably speaking about it quite positively as well. But for our international listeners and even for our Irish listeners, like, is there one like super cool fact or interesting thing about Ireland that you just think everyone should know? And that's mm. my my Irish ego now. We're but weak for ourselves. Weak for ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know if it's like a fact, but like I think for me, it's it's the sacred sites and what they represent. You know, so if you want, like, if you wanted to do service to this land, and let me just say that we are one of our earliest texts is the book of invasions so there to me there's like what you're saying about all these different nationalities in Greece there's not necessarily um you know I'm not claiming like I you know Irish you know you must be Irish to learn this wisdom etc cetera, etc cetera. and 
what I think is like we, Ireland is a sentient goddess. It, like this is my belief system. Ireland itself is sentient. Ireland itself is magical. And we step upon this land, right? Like just all like all the settlers that came before. And we if we listen um, with with integrity, I suppose, um, she'll she'll be there for us. So it doesn't matter where you're from. If you come here and you want to learn the stories of Ireland, she will she will welcome you, you know. So I, I, there's nothing nationalistic about, it, especially with my course and I know Deirdre's course as well. Um, it's not like you you've got to be of Irish lineage to do the work. It's that you want you want to be in service to Ireland, you know. So I what I would say then. Oh, sorry. Say again. No, what? I was just going to say that kind of goes, I feel, to, to everything. Like, I know there's so much around appropriation now, which I totally understand. Um, but, you know, if your intention, I feel, is pure and you're in service to that lineage and you respect it and honour it and share it, you know, th- to me, that's the main thing, like you said, as opposed to being of this space or this land. Yeah, 100 percent. Yeah. And then I think um, so part of my personal practice is that I will visit the sacred sites at the well, if I'm in a particular place, I'll always look up a site because it's like my little act of reverence to just go and visit something in a locality that I go to. But at particular times of year, then I will go to the sacred site that is involved with, um, you know, for example, we're coming up to the winter solstice. Um, So you know, there's places in Ireland, there's Knockrow, which is very near to me in County Kilkenny. And there is Newgrange, obviously. And we can see that these are like, you know, they're, they're kind of like an ancient calendar, but they would have been a place of worship and a place of reverence. So we can go to that place and we can just spend some time. And then you see, you know, in, in like Knockrow, or I'll be on the, the morning of the 21st of December, you can see an alignment in the morning going into this old passage tomb um, that lights up a particular stone at dawn. And then there's another one in the evening on the western side that lights up with the sun going down. Like, incredible to see that like I weep I weep every single time to see that is just the most beautiful act of like being present with the land and the cosmos you know so you know we could sit on our yoga mat all day but to actually be present where you know the sun is communicating with the land like I've goosebumps even thinking about that right now but um so yes so find your find the time of the year there's a lovely website called Archaeo Astronomy, and it gives you the actual times and dates of the um, the cross quarter days and, and the Celtic wheel, we'll call it. So it's exact because they can change ever so slightly every year, you know. So, um, yeah, so you can look that up precisely. Then look up the place in the landscape that will be connected to that particular festival and then um, look up the story. So let's say the... The solstice is called Greenstad, which means the sun stops. So the story of the winter solstice at Newgrange is that um, there was the goddess Boan, and she was married to, um, we'll call him Elkmar. He's, he's got different names and different stories. But Elkmar, um, he had, to, he had to, to leave her alone. And the great god, the Dagda, had a little fancy for Boan, and he decided that, you know, he'd like to invite her for uh, a little tryst. 
Um, so when Elkmar left, the Dagda stopped the sun in the sky so that it appeared that Elkmar was only gone for a day. But in fact, he was gone for a whole nine months of gestation of their little baby boy. So the Dagda and Boan had a tryst, had a, a lovely little affair. Um, and, and an ancient culture that was, um, it wasn't necessarily seen to, 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 I'll call it, I'll be graceful about it, like to lie with many partners wasn't necessarily what we'd consider it today, you know, um, but obviously Elkmar would have been outraged. So they sent Elkmar off, they had a tryst, she became pregnant, and it while the sun was stopped in the sky, so Elkmar knew no difference, nine months passed and the baby Angus Oak, the god of light, was born, the god of love, the god of light, many stories about him. So Angus Og, the womb of Ireland, we could say, or one of the, the um, representations of the womb of Ireland is Newgrange. And we see that light, that shaft of light that comes down when the sun stops to illuminate the, 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 the um, uterus with inside of, the, of that, um, that uh, constructed building. That is the light coming back. That is this um, God, Angus Og, being born into the world, a God of love and mysticism. And, you know, you can look up his stories. He's a, he's a great friend to the lovers, Dermot and Gronia, and he falls in love himself with uh, with care and she's turned into a swan and that's a beautiful story and he helps them attain in the wooing of attain and yeah he's a he's a, a very and and because he's a god of light that's very reminiscent to the story of jesus being born and um, so you know again many cultures similar stories like we said earlier <laughs> i'm sorry i'm just i love it i just love it <laughs> the um I, I don't it's hard to put words to this kind of what what you're trying to say, mm -hmm. I feel, you know, but the the whole story around Newgrange, it just it, it just completely blows my mind. And I feel like, you know, anybody who might be into esoteric te teachings throughout the world, they look to the Great Pyramids and they'll be like, mm -hmm. how do they have this, you know, the technology mm -hmm. or how do they build this? I actually find Newgrange, like if people knew, you know just you know as you said when the sun rises on the solstice and the light channels in through this tiny little crevice and lights up the whole of the inside um it's just I'm just like I can't even put words to it you know mm -hmm. just the I know I, it's I, magical it's absolutely magical so then you know like we're saying it like if if the listener wants to just do one thing to put themselves in that kind of um reverence just go to one of the sites, you know. My favorite site is La Cru. Um, that's uh, an equinox site. Um, I just have a, a, a fondness for it. But there's there's sites like all over the country, you know, that you'll be able to find, and and there's um loads of archaeological evidence as well. So I'd say read the myth, but also look at the archaeology. There's great um books out there, anything by um um Oh dear, mythological Ireland. I can't think of the the writer's name right now, but um, you know that will give um archaeological fact and and some of the myth as well. So you know it's definitely such a beautiful thing to immerse yourself in it. I'll all of this stuff mm. in the show notes so that you guys can have a really quick and easy reference to it. Bearing all this in mind, and we'll probably have to have you back for a part two. <laughs> but maybe we could actually, if you have the space and time actually experience some of this 
stuff is the wrong word magic. some of these this magic that you offer okay so what i think we could do is um kind of open a, a sacred container and i'll do that in the irish language and um, so i'm not an irish speaker i'll just make that clear so anyone who is an irish speaker and i um murder the pronunciation i i apologize so as part of my personal practice i'm doing my best to learn Folum. i am learning and um, but we've been taught as part of the priestess training to speak the language of the land um to let the land respond so mm -hmm. i'll do my best to speak in the ceremonial uh, i can I, I could have a conversation with you if we only use words like uh, energy and hawk <laughs> things like that but um so i'll open the space in in the the sacred irish um and then call in different deities and different aspects of the different quarters and then we might just do a small breath meditation again i'll do my best to speak that in irish um, and English, and then we'll close up that space again. So if, if you have a few minutes, we could have that little bit of connection. Before you start, something just came to mind. Um, my nephew is going to the Gael School, and I've also mm. been spending some time down in the Gael Tucked with Dervla and Real Teen Retreat Centre. And so, Talgachdina and Mochak, Eg Irani Small So everyone in my house is trying to speak more Irish. And Dervla shared something gorgeous with me. Is far. Gwelga Brishta, na Berla Klishta. So it's better to speak broken Irish than clever English. So let's exactly chat. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so what I'm gonna do is uh open this container, which so what I love about this is like it ripples out. So through Zoom, through Spotify, through whatever you're listening to, we are making this container that's literally between the worlds. So we'll start, if you can take your attention to where you think the sun might rise. And if you don't know, we'll just feel into where you think east might be. And I'm now Casting what I'll call a circle. So I'm using my hand here. So Oskliam on Kirkel Neafa, and I'm moving my hand deshel or sunwise. So Oskliam on Kirkel Neafa, I open sacred circle. And now with her attention to the east, Gleamid, her spirit, this our anam, this our kuikt on erher. We call the spirit, the soul, and the power of the east. Glamid, spirit in the air, spirit in the guiha, spirit in the hain. We call the spirit of air, of the winds and the birds. Glamid, uller is shawak. We call on eagle and hawk. Glamid, angus og is eru. We call angus og and eru. Oskal our intina is squeals there, our shwinta. Open our minds and set our thoughts free. Tour doing, the fin of. The spree, the largus is the sirsha. Bring us your energy, your playfulness, your clarity, and your freedom. Par agus folcha, come and be welcome. Par agus folcha. And now you might take your attention to the south, if you can feel into that. So as the sun would move across the sky, so we'll move a quarter over. Glamy, they're in spirit, the saranimus are cooked. On Deskert, we call the spirit, the soul, and the power of the south. Glamid, our spirit, Natinus and Tullus, we call in the spirit of fire and light. 
Tar Lushna Grania, Lushna Galicus, Lushna Real Key, come the light of the sun, the light of the moon, the light of the stars. Tar Fiafurin, come Stag. Tar Avri, the Lu is the Anya, come Bridget, Lu and Anya. Poor doing, the Graw is the Kova, bring us your love and your compassion. Tour doing the inspirod, the krahiak, the ganesiak neafa. Bring us your inspiration, your creativity, your sacred sexuality. Tar agasfolcha, come and be welcome. Tar agasfolcha. And then we'll bring our attention over to another quarter around to the west. So where the sun might set in relation to where you sit. Glamy, their spirit, the Saranimus are cooked on earher. We call the spirit, the soul, and the power of the West. Glamy, their spirit, na ishka, spirit, na weirvor, na lukin, na hawanis, na tobarbanaha. We call the spirit of the waters, of the great seas, the rivers, the lakes, and the holy wells. Tar, spirit, na brad fasa, come the spirit of the salmon of knowledge. Tar, mananon, maglir, tar, boan, come mananon and boan. Tour doing the downness, tour doing the imbus, is the ashling, is the direct. Bring us your depth, bring us your enlightenment, your sacred stories and poems, bring us your magic. Tar Agasfortia, come and be welcome, Tar Agasfortia. And now one more quarter over to the north, so we'll take our attention to where the north is in relation to where you sit. Glamy, their spirit, is our animus, or cult and tushkert. We call the spirit, the soul, and the power of the north. Glamy, their spirit, natirafain, is natalun. We call the spirit of the country here, this land. Glamy, their spirit, naplandi, is naluvana, nakaragaka, is nafaita, nakreen, is nafarosha, is nahanvaha. We call the spirit of the plants and the herbs, the rocks and the mountains, the trees and the forest and the animals. Tar spirit na shinori is na shinshir. We call the ancestors the old ones. Tar madarua is art. Come fox and bear. Glamid amorian adagda is an kalyak. We call the marigan the dagda and the kalyak. Tour doing the krogacht, the niar, the shanakas, the leakas. Bring us your, your courage, your strength, your stories, and your warriorship. Tar agus fulcha, come and be welcome. Tar agus fulcha. Ilor and kirkel neafa at the center of the circle. Oit driacht, oit idna downda, magic place, place between the worlds. Gleam ma fortuna Daniel, I call my patron Daniel. Gleamid kushintoriar shli, we call the protectors of our way. Gleamida ul spirit is abandia, we call the great spirit and the goddess. Glamid Priv Moher Shan Moher Moher Nishinori. We call the first mother, the great mother, the mother of the ancestors. For doing the Kosant, Agasi Gosant Niart, Agasi Niart Tishkent, Agasi Tishkent Olas, Agasi Olas Olas and Kirt, Agasi Olas and Kirt and Grofui, Agasi Grofui and Grodan Abahir Fad, Agasi Grodan Abahir Fad and Grodan Olspur de Sabandia, Agak Mohas Avenanesh. Bring us your protection. And in your protection, strength. And in your strength, understanding. And in understanding, wisdom. And in wisdom, the wisdom of justice. And in the wisdom of justice, the love of it. 
and in the love of justice, the love of all existences, and in the love of all existences, the love of the great spirit and the goddess and of all goodness. Par August Fulcher, come and be welcome. Par August Fulcher. So Kirkel Neofisha, and in this sacred circle, we'll do a little meditation, a breath meditation. So again, I'll speak in Irish and we can try to practice this together. So just feel into it. So glock and all bravo. Take a big breath. Flesh and palav he's fuin with the land below you. Glock and all bravo. Lesh and palav he's fuin. Glock and all vravur, lesh and spare os archion. Take a great big breath with the sky above us. Glock and all vravur, lesh and spare os archion. Glock and all vravur, lesh and a faragi temple oring. Glock and all vravur, leshna faragi temple oring. Take a great big breath with the seas around us. Take a great big breath with the seas around us. Gomeak banakti orav. May you be blessed. May you all be blessed. And now we'll unwind our sacred circle with reverence to the land and the gods and goddesses of Ireland. We'll start again in the east. Gaumid Wikis, our spirit is our animus, our kuakt on Irher. We give thanks to the spirit and the soul and the power of the east. Wika spirit na air, spirit na guiha, spirit na hain. We give thanks to air to the winds and the birds. Buikas Uller is Shawak. Thank you, Eagle and Hawk. Buikas Ingus Ogus Eru. Thank you, Ingus Ogan Eru. Buikas the Bruntinus Neofa. Govanic the Bruntinus Temple Orin. May your sacred gifts, thank you for your sacred gifts. May they remain with us, around us. Buikas more. Slawn Agaspanak. Goodbye with blessings. Slawn Agaspanak. And now to the north, Gaumid Buika, spirit is our animus or cooked on Tushkirt. We give thanks to the spirit, the soul, and the power of the north. Buika spirit nashinchuris nashinori. Buika's madrarua is art. Buika is naplandi is naluvana. Nakargaka is nashleitan. Nakreen is nafarosha is nahanvaha. So thank you to the old ones, the ancestors, to fox and to bear, to the plants, the herbs, the rocks, the mountains, the trees, the forest, and the animals. Buikas a Maureen as a Dagda, Buikas a Kalyak. Thank you to the Marig and the Dagda and the Kalyak. Buikas the Bruntinus Neafa, Govanak the Bruntinus Temple Orin. Thank you for those sacred gifts. May they remain around us. Slon Agasbanak, Slon Agasbanak. Goodbye with blessings. To the West, Gaumi Buikas, their spirit is our animus are cooked on Irher. We give thanks to the spirit, the soul, and the power of the West. Buikas spirit na Ishkas, Buikas spirit na Virvor, na Lukan, and na Hawanis, na Tobarbanaha. Thank you to the great seas, the rivers, the lakes, the holy wells, the spirit of water. Buikas Mananonis Boan, Buikas and Brothers Fasa, Brothan Fasa. Buikas, thank you to Mananon and Boan and to the salmon of knowledge. 
Buikis the Bruntinus Neafa, Govanak the Bruntinus Temple Orin. Thank you for those sacred gifts. May they remain with us. Slaan Agasbanak, goodbye with blessings. And now to the south, Gaumi Buikis are spirits, are animus, are kut and deskert. Buikis spirit, atenas and tullis. So thank you to the spirit, the soul, the power of the south, to fire and to light. Buikis, lushna grainia, lushna gallic is lushna realty. Thank you to the light of the sun, the moon and the stars. Buikis, Fia Ferrin, Buikis, Vri, the Lewis Anya. Thank you to Stag. Thank you to Bridget, Lou and Anya. Buikis, the Brunton is Neofa, Govanak, the Brunton is Timbalorian. Thank you for those sacred gifts. May they remain with us. Sloan, Agasbanak, goodbye with blessings. Eloran Kirkel Neofa, at the center of the circle, Oit Kosent, Oit Idena down, the sacred place between the worlds, protected place. Buikis, Mufwater Nadanyu. Thank you to my patron, Danu. Buikas Koshintori Arshli, thank you to the protectors of our way. Buikas All Spirit is a Bandia. Buikas Prive Mohar Mohar Nishinori. Thank you to the Great Spirit and the Goddess, the First Mother, Mother of the Ancestors. Buikas the Kosent is the Cower. Buikas the Bruntinus Neafa. Govanak the Kosent the Cower is the Bruntinus Neafa Timpalorin. Thank you for your sacred gifts. May your sacred gifts remain with us. May your, your protection, your help, and your sacred gifts remain with us. Slaan agus banacht, goodbye with blessings. Dúnam an círcal neafa, dúnam an círcal neafa, tan círcal neafa dúnta, go vanach da cosan timpalorin. The sacred space is closed, but the protection remains around us. Slaan agus banacht, goodbye with blessings. And now wherever you sit or lie, start to come back to this space, this world, encounter your local region where you sit. You might open your eyes if they've naturally closed. Come back to the space you're in. Come back to the space you're in. So that's our little, our little journey to the other world together. We're speechless, which is rare. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. And again, if there is um, uh, Irish speakers out there, and I've made any mistakes, I'm more than happy to be corrected. But that's um, my, I suppose. My offering to the to Pat is to try and learn as best I can, and that's the best I have at the moment. <laughs> I don't know. You're gonna have to end the podcast because I don't know what to say. Well, that was so beautiful, and I'll put all of your details in the show notes for people to get in touch. Have you anything you'd like to add? I just want Fox on again. Yeah, we get I want back. more. <laughs> I love some fairy tales and. Don't fuck Stories. with the fairies, part yeah. two. Don't fuck with the fairies, man. <laughs> Into the Irish a little bit more. Maybe we do podcast on tour and she brings us to one of the sites and we record it. Oh my it. goodness. Stunning. Oh my goddess. Gurmila Mila Mahagut. Mahara. Yeah, thank you so much. And we'll just we'll just bam here. Is there anything you'd like to finish up with or anything you'd like to share? Um I suppose if you're into the yoga, I have a yoga subscription site, sarahfox.ie. Plenty of classes there and the loads of free ones. So have at it. And then if you want to go deeper into this kind of link between the, the yogic and the Irish, um, all in, in, in kind of reverence of my, my patron, Danu, an Indo-European goddess that brought her peoples to Ireland, um, then come and look at Oak and Willow. The next teacher training starts the end of January. 
and um, we do it's it's 250 hours for anyone that does not have a yoga certificate or it's 300 hours for anyone that does have a yoga certificate and I'd love more um, advanced people to apply this year because it's a really beautiful course to add on to what you've already already gleaned through your 200 hour so that's all for me thank you so much for sharing your your multi pronged wisdom is the word I'm going to use. Yeah. yeah. And we always finish up with bye, but I feel Slaan. like Slaan. It has to be yeah. Slaan. 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 Slaan.